Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you were ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Are you in? All right, let's go. God bless you. Have a seat. This morning, I want you to open your Bibles to 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9, 1 Chronicles 4, 9, and John 6. Two different places, 1 Chronicles 4, 9, John 6. While you're looking those up, I uh, just, just want to remind you that we do have, we are really on this adventure highway in our lives, and our destination is eternity with Jesus. That's where we're going. We're, we're refusing to take the broad path. We're, we're, we're not going to go the way that the world goes, which is the way that leads to destruction. That's the logical path. That's maybe the popular path, and it might be cool and sleek. But God has called us to follow the ancient paths, which is the good way. This highway brings peace to our souls, adventure around every corner, challenges and victories, and lasting relationships because we have some traveling companions that are taking the highway with us. So, but the truth is, is that sometimes things might seem bleak, and it might, you might feel like, man, I thought I was following God and I was confident that I was hearing from the Lord, but, but now, you know, I, I thought I was taking this right road and now I'm in this low place. You're at this dead end. You're at this dark place. You feel hemmed in. There's this titanium fencing all around you surrounding your life and there's no way out. Well, I'm telling you guys, that's where prayer comes in and that's what we're talking about today. Humble, persistent, pleading prayer. So this is what we, what we say. We touch the sky by falling on our knees. Now, last Sunday, in fact, I just don't want you guys to come stand around the front here. Last Sunday, if you weren't with us, you missed out on the introduction to this series. And, and I need one of those, one of those balls. I, for some reason, I didn't get one earlier, but, but we have these little balls called touching the sky. Now, if you didn't get one of these, I want you to get one today because it illustrates the point that, you know, life can be right here. And if we keep propping ourselves up, it really doesn't work. But if you take yourself and go down, on your knees, essentially, you humble yourself, all kinds of things change. They change radically. And you know what? This is a broken ball. Th throw, is it working? Hardly. That thing needs to go in the trash. All right, look at that. There, there we go. We got some light. That trash ball. All right, now, see, the, if you do not have one of these, if you didn't get one, everybody's supposed to have one in the church. So lift your hand right now. I'm just going to toss them to you. Come on. Do you need one? Did you not get one last Sunday? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. That's it. Good. Grab a ball. No throwing them during the message because I get distracted very easily because I'm ADD. All right. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Ben. Just a little bit about my story regarding Adventure Highway. It was October of 2008. Uh, I had just resigned the church that I had pastored for about nine years. God had blessed us in that church. It was an expansive ministry that we had to steward there. And, but we all knew as a family it was time to leave. It was crystal clear that God was calling us to move south. We were in the Kansas City area, and, and we, we knew God was calling us south to, to establish a new ministry. We knew this much. It was going to be the heart of a southern city, and that it was going to be something we would invest in for the rest of our lives. Uh, but, and, and Rebecca and I felt certain about this, and, but all, that's really all we had heard from God. And, 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 you know, we were leaving this great position. 
I'm telling you guys, it was not an easy decision to do so. In fact, it was tough. See, I'm not the kind of guy who just hops around. I'm just going to go from this thing to that thing. I'm going to look for better opportunities. I've never been that way. See, my philosophy has always been, I'm going to grow roots and I'm going to bloom where I'm planted. And, and, and God has always blessed the efforts of my family because of that, always. But I felt it was time to come kind of like back home to the Metroplex during this season. So I came back here because I have rich ministry relationships here in the area. And, and, and I had made this choice to leave where I was and to step out in really, honestly, blind faith. And it's pretty scary when you have a family to support and care for. And it's even scarier because over the next few months, the U.S. economy took this unprecedented nosedive, and, and it happened just as I resigned the church. And now I found myself gone from there, and I had no income. Uh, some friends of ours had a, a little house in Midlothian, in, in an area very rural Midlothian, just to let you know. Midlothian is not a small area. area. It's actually larger uh, land-wise than, than Arlington. But, uh, but this is a little place, uh, and it was, at a, it was a 1930s era farmhouse, and it was literally in the woods. I mean, you'd have to drive off the road, drive a mile down this dirt road, and dodge all these massive giant mud holes to get to the house. And the house was rugged, uh, very rugged. Uh, it was partially air-conditioned. It was hardly insulated. It had a crumbling fireplace that you dare not build a fire in. And it was about one-third the size of the house that I had been in. And, 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 and we called this place the shack. I mean, because it really was a shack. It, um, my friend, the landlord, he told me that if I burned it down, he wouldn't care. Okay. And then, then he even told me later on, he says, said, I might just burn it down on my own. And he said, will you please make sure that your contents are insured? I'm not kidding. That happened. I mean, they're like, and then there are bobcats and there are coyotes. There were water moccasins and copperheads and, and raccoons. And they even broke into our cars. The raccoons did. No kidding. This sounds bizarre. This was real. Our pets would just disappear. Then there would be a hungry animal sitting right in the yard the next day where the animal disappeared from. And, and, and in order to keep mice out of the house, we had these cats outdoors. And, and, but but they, they really didn't last very long. Most cats would only last a few weeks. I'm sorry. You know, it, this is, we had to get rid of the mice. You put a cat outside, the mice leave. And, 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 and so we, honestly, we stopped naming the cats. We just numbered the cats. <laughs> This is real. And while I was there, I, I, I realized and, and came to understand that poison ivy, of which I am actually highly allergic, can grow like trees. So there we were in the shack. I had no income. The electric bill in the house was unbelievably insane. And I wondered what in the world we were doing in the middle of the woods in the shack. See, my adventure highway of following God had taken me to what I felt like was a dead end. And that's when I'm starting to go, well, have I really heard from God? Now, the truth is, I still felt very confident we were following God, but this current setting was not like anything I had anticipated. I told Rebecca, don't worry, we're only going to be here a few months, and then we're going to move on. Well, my timing was off, because that few months turned into three and a half years in the shack. I sat down with my family one evening, and we began to sketch out the vision for the future. After praying together, I asked every family member to talk about their dream for our future as a family. And I, I told them, I said, God has brought us here 
to position us for this next huge step of faith. And, and the next step of faith we're going to take is going to be like no other step of faith we've ever taken. And, but even though we don't even know exactly what the future looks like, we do know this, and this works, God does plant the desires in our hearts to see that future happen long before it occurs. That's, that's in every single one of us. So what I did is I took a piece of paper, I sat down with the family, and I wrote these words at the top. I wrote the future, our vision, our dream. I wrote those terms at the top of the paper. And I asked three questions, and I, I asked family, you know, I want you to answer these. And I wrote down every single answer that the family gave. And I said, I don't want you just to throw something out there, but I want you to think, go into your heart, and, and let's consider it. And, and so understanding this, I know that perfect really doesn't exist anywhere except God, but, but, I, but I asked three questions. I said, if we could pastor the perfect church what would it look like? If we could live and do ministry and stay the rest of our lives in a perfect community, what would it look like? And I said, if we could have a perfect house, <laughs> compared to where we were at that time, for, for our family and for our guests, what would it be like? And I began to write down these one to five word answers from each family member as the family members verbalized them. And, and, uh, and ended up, after the list was done, we had 27 attributes of what the perfect church would look like. We had 10 attributes of what the perfect community would look like, and we had 24 of what the perfect house would be like for us and our guests. And, and then I took the list, and I typed it up, and here at the very end, I had 61 individual, very specific, and sometimes detailed requests. And the beauty of it is it reflected all the different personalities of our family. Uh, and, and I'm telling you, the list was full of passion and creativity, but we were also in a low place. We were in a dark place. And uh, in that time, we felt down. In fact, and when we felt down, even there, we still decided to go even lower onto our knees and surrender ourselves to God. We surrendered our future to God in the shack. And with bold faith, I then read the list aloud, and I asked God and, and asked the family to agree with me and asked God for every single thing that was on that list. And I'm telling you guys, there were some huge things on that list. It's precious to me, so I'm not going to share it with you. But so, some might say, well, it's not very humble to ask God for big things, or, or, or it's arrogant to expect that God is just going to answer your requests and do massive miracles. Well, I want to say this. I disagree wholeheartedly, because the most humble man in all the world, his name was Moses, and Moses was a guy who prayed bigger than any of us. He prayed bold, huge prayers, and God answered his prayers. See, prayer Falling on our knees, it's a place of humility. You see, arrogance is when we are stiffed and we refuse to cry out to God and we dig our heels in the ground and we choose to not acknowledge God's ways and we choose to decide to do different than his word says, thinking that we can do it and we can figure it out on our own. That's arrogance. And I reject arrogance. I reject arrogance with everything that's in me. I fight it all the time. Instead, I practice bold, in-your-face humility. So uh, I chose to pray and to take the necessary faith steps to see my prayers answered. That day we touched the sky by falling to our knees. And whenever I've done that, God has never let me down. Never, never, never. 
I, I took the list after we had prayed it, and I put it on to the refrigerator there in the shack. And, and, and every time we went to get something to eat, or sometimes it was going to the refrigerator to look to see if there was something in there to eat, uh, we, we were forced to see the prayer list and whisper yet another prayer to Jesus for the future. And over the next few weeks, interestingly enough, churches began contacting me regarding me coming to be their new pastor. I just want to tell you guys, these were good churches. These were significant churches. And, and, and I was looking at that. I was like, I could have a salary again. <laughs> I could have some stability for my family. We could move out of the shack into a decent house. And I could have medical insurance. And I could begin to do again what I love to do and what I was anointed to do, which is to pastor a congregation. But, but every time I examined one of those church offers and the communities that they were in, I then compared it to the list dated October 2008, and I knew that I was wasting my time by even entertaining the possibilities. And the truth is, I turned down some really good things while continuing to live in the shack and trying month after month to figure out creative means to cut our expenses, to find a way to earn some money. And I watched my car be repossessed and my house in Missouri was foreclosed on, and I was humiliated, and I was low. We just kept falling to our knees and touching the sky, expecting a miracle that it seemed like every day the miracle just seemed a little further off the longer we stayed down. And, and the boundaries around us felt tighter than ever. The truth is, is when we touch the sky, our boundaries expand. Fast forward to March 2016, last month, I remembered that list of prayer requests from our family, and uh, I could recall many of the specifics that were there, and so I just used those words and searched my computer, and bam, immediately the document, that ancient document, it popped up and was translated into the newest version, and, and I opened it up, began re re reading the lists of what we had written nearly seven and a half years ago, and my eyes began to fill with tears because... On the list of the prayer, the prayer list for what my family called the perfect community, all ten of those have been answered for us. I'm telling you down to specific details of this city. On the list of the 27 items that we looked for in the perfect church, 23 of those, as I counted, are actually here among us including a downtown metro area, a place where to meet, we could meet good friends, where we have a coffee shop. <laughs> even, even this one that was just, we were just passionate. We wanted to have a lot of very happy greeters in our church. <laughs> and, and, and the other five that are unanswered, honestly, I believe they will eventually come. On the prayer list of the 24 things we wanted to see in our house, 20 are actually a current reality with our Fort Worth home. And the others, interestingly enough, are part of our long-term plans for the house. You see, I, I, I cried when I saw that. I thought, oh, my goodness. I'd forgotten about the list, and it's happened. Guys, I'm going to tell you this. God honors us when we fall on our knees and we humble ourselves and pray boldly. I don't presume to be a know-it-all or a superstar prayer jock, you know. I'm only just in some, an adventure highway companion who is desperately searching for God's daily intervention in my life. And, and the truth is, I want God to use me up. I want my life to count. I want to experience a journey in this life that is unparalleled to the rest of the world. So I pray. I touch the sky by falling to my knees because that's where it starts. 
And I'm challenging you guys to do the same thing in this series. But here's something important. Be careful what you pray for because you just might get what you're praying for. But it may not come in the package that you expect. <laughs> but, but if you choose to invest your time and your energy and your faith and you pour yourself into that power of prayer, I want you to say you need to be prepared for some dramatic shifts and changes in your life. And also your life might be turned upside down and inside out because what God will be doing during that time, like he did with us, was reshaping us and squeezing us and molding us into what he wants. Prayer can change your life. Prayer can change your world. And I hope you're ready for it. I want you to look at 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse number 9. 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 9. talks about a guy by the name of Jabez. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. How would you like that? How would you like your brothers to read that in, in the scriptures? But Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. And Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Now, what we've just read right here is a seemingly insignificant prayer by a man who is basically unknown. And, and this guy, Jabez, only makes one appearance in the scriptures. Yet he achieves this, uh, this, this uh, level of distinction simply because he prayed. It's right in the middle. If you look at it, it's in this seemingly endless uh, genealogy. And the, and the writer then pauses in the genealogy and, and basically is stating, hey, now here's a man that was even more honorable than his brothers. Bottom line, this man, Jabez, he made a huge impact in the world. And when I read those two simple verses, something resonates in my spirit. It's like, I want to be like him. I want to pray like him. And as I've read his very simple, powerful prayer, it became a profound reminder to me that God wants you and me to pray big. He wants us to believe big. He wants us to dream big. He wants us to impact big. So I pray this way with the hope that God will bless me the same way that he did Jabez. And as a result of the prayers uh, that, 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 that happens there with me and with, with you and with him, mountains of impossibilities are moved. And, and, and really, people who are highly unlikelies are changed into glorious realities. Incredible miracles of God have taken place in my life because I've prayed like this. And in my church and in this church, you know, to, to make it practical, I've segmented this prayer down into four parts that I'm covering in the remainder of the series. And here it is. It's the first part is this, is where he says, oh, that you would bless me. Our, our interpretation of that is Jesus, bless my life. Second is enlarge my territory. And here's, here's the way we pray that is Jesus, increase, increase my influence and opportunities. The next is let your hand be with me. And that's Jesus, give me your presence and direction. And finally, keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. That's why we say, Jesus, protect me. Guys, there is an urgency in my heart like never before to reach this world and to influence our culture. And this is at a time when Christians, we are losing our influence because a lot of Christians are simply living for themselves and they are living beneath their potential. I think now is the time that we need to exert our influence in the world because Fort Worth must see the Holy Spirit at work in our lives and how he is transforming our lives before our city will ever really be able to hear and receive the message that we give. And I believe this prayer will help facilitate that change in us. 
That first part is to pray this, Jesus, bless my life. Come on, say that with me. Jesus, bless my life. It's asking God to bless you in huge ways. But the truth is, is that Satan will want to use negative situations or the drafty shack that you live in to try to bring out the worst in you and to prevent you from praying for God's blessing. See, God, God wants to build us up as we pray. So we pray, Jesus, bless my life. And, and when I do this, no matter what's happening in my life, I'm just saying, I'm dependent on you, God. I need you. And, and, and he can turn every difficult situation into good, even if it gets worse for a season after you start praying this. The Apostle Paul said this, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. So during pain and during confusion, our Lord, who is in charge of all things, keeps working for our good. So during your time of pain and confusion, what should you do? Just keep touching the sky. Some of you, you're hurting and you're, you're lonely and some of you are seeking diligently and desperately for that right person to eventually marry. Here's what some of you need to do. I'd say everyone needs to do this. You need to go home and start making a list of the attributes you want to see in him or her. And all of a sudden, you're going to have direction. You'll have focus. And you won't be hunting in every corner of the Metroplex for that perfect person. I want someone who is going to be godly. I want someone who is going to disciple and discipline my children to fear and love God. I want somebody who is going to be wise in the ways of finances. I want something. You, know, you just start writing all that down. Just watch what God might do. It's going to keep you from going well. I wonder if that's the one. Nope, don't match the list. Sorry. <laughs> it works, guys. It works. God will bring them to you as you keep obeying God and, and obeying God. You might just be standing here at the door and that person walks in and go, the list has been complete, you know. <laughs> so come on, we need to pray these words with me. Say, Jesus, bless my life. Jesus, bless my life. We absolutely need to dream. We need to believe that God is up to something big in our lives. And if you choose to dream, please know this, there are going to be dream busters around you. They're going to tell you you're crazy. They're going to tell you you have the wrong motives. They're going to tell you you're not good enough. But don't let their insecurities pull you down. You see, negative thinking dream busters have always been around. What you have to learn to do is you distance yourself from them. It works. Don't give them the time of day. Dream busters, you know, even they might even be some respectable people. Uh, listen to this. Charles Duell, he was the U.S. Patent Office Director in 1899. He said this, everything that can be invented has now been invented. H.M. Warner, Warner Brothers, 1927, he said, who wants to hear actors talk? Grover Cleveland in, 19, in 1905 said this, sensible and responsible women do not want to vote. Robert Millikan, who is the Nobel Prize winner for physics in 1923, he said, there is no likelihood that man will ever be able to tap the power of the atom. This Michigan banker who advised Henry Ford's uh, lawyer to not invest in the new car company said this, the horse is here to say, but the automobile is only a novelty. Today, horses are the novelty. <laughs> actor Gary Cooper, you ever heard of actor Gary Cooper? He said this, Gone with the Wind is going to be the biggest flop in Hollywood history, and I'm glad it's going to be Clark Gable who is falling flat on his face and not me. You know, st dreamer, dream busters, step back. 
Because dreaming is where the faith begins. The writer of the book of Hebrews said this, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Jabez had faith. He had a dream. He had hope. And he, he dared to believe God rather than to get muddled down in his own circumstances. So dream big. Touch the sky. That's what we call faith. Now, now I want you to look in John 6. Because in John 6, we see this, is that faith is this key that we can't live out, that, that we have to have, and we can't leave it out. Faith is not some slick formula, and even this prayer that I'm teaching you is not a formula. Really, it's about an attitude of living in abandonment before God. In fact, some of you might see this as a formula. I say, well, the, I can use this to get more money, but, but if, I'm just telling you, if you're not living in abandonment toward God right now, in other words, if you're not tithing, then you're wasting your breath. God is not your genie. See, Jabez was this intense individual. He prayed, and he lived it, and he was truly radical. And our lives, as well, should never be characterized by playing it safe. You need to, we, I want my life to be characterized by launching out into life's oceans with the, the desire to make an impact for God, which even includes my giving. During my most difficult time when I had no income, no, I wasn't tithing, but I was giving in fact, I give extravagant offerings because I knew that I'm not just going to lay here and let this eat me alive. See, ships in the harbor are safe during the storm, but they're not safe from dry rot. And the truth is, ships that sit in the harbor will never make a difference. They'll only look pretty. God never intended us to look pretty and play it safe and do the convenient thing as our lives rot away. See, only when we take some risks for God are we truly going to experience God things. That's why we pray, Jesus, bless my life. And, and you know, to touch the sky, we really have to believe this, that the, the impossible doesn't even exist. See, it's only through the power of God that the impossible can be pushed back. And faith makes the impossible possible. Blessings from God change everything. Take a look at it now here, because Jesus said in your, in your Bibles, he was out in the countryside preaching one day, and, and Jesus looked up, and he saw this great crowd coming toward him. And he said to one of his disciples, this is one of the guys he handpicked, man of faith, he said, hey, Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? And he only asked this to test him, because he already had in mind what he was going to do. And Philip answered him, well, eight months' wages would not buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. He was calculating it all in his head. Basically, Philip was saying, Jesus, you're crazy. It's impossible. We don't have the money. We can't do this. There's another disciple, though, who was listening, who had just a little bit more faith, and I kind of like it. He had just enough faith to believe that Jesus could do something huge. And so uh, another of the disciples, Andrew, uh, he, he, he says, another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. So he jumped in. He said, well, well hey, wait, 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 well, here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Now, I like it because instead of answering P, uh, Philip's kind of gruff, know-it-all, calculating-it-all attitude, he ignored the dream buster. Andrew provides a seed for the miracle and then asks Jesus, how is this going to work? So Jesus said, we'll have the people sit down. There's plenty of grass around. The men sat down, 5,000 of them. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and he distributed to all the people who were seated everything that they wanted, not just a bite. And he did the same with the fish. 
And when they all had enough to eat, Jesus said to his disciples, now gather the pieces that are left over and don't let anything be wasted. They gathered 12 baskets, and they're not like the little offering baskets we have. I would say they're big, huge baskets, and, and they filled it up, and, and, and the people saw this miraculous sign that Jesus did. And then they began to say, surely this is a prophet who has come into the world. See, because I think the most exciting thing about that miracle is not the fact that everyone got a free meal, or the, but, it, but it was that people's eyes were opened, that there was some divine intervention that was happening. God is doing something among us. I mean, can you imagine the whispering that was going on in the crowd? Hey, God's up to something. I'm telling you guys, when we pray in faith, God starts working on your behalf. And then people are going to look at you and they're going to say, there's no way that girl could do that on her own. I know her. It must be God working for her. All it takes is that little glimmer of faith, faith enough to say, God, I'm giving you all I have, and I believe you're going to do something absolutely extraordinary with it. Jesus wants to bless your life. He wants you to ask for it. He wants you to live in such a way that will contain his blessings. So fall to your knees, touch the sky, and say, Jesus, bless my life, and then watch the boundaries of your life begin to be pushed back. And then a second way to pray is this, Jesus, increase my influence and my opportunities. You see, Jabez, he prayed this way as well. He wanted the boundaries to be pushed back. He, 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 he wanted his influences and his opportunities to increase. And I'm telling you guys, if you are being a good steward over the current position you have of your property or your finances or your relationships or your delegated responsibilities or the ministry that's been entrusted to you, then you should pray for greater influence influence and opportunities because God will, wants to use you and he will use you. And you might be saying, well, I don't think I'm good enough, Pastor. I, I, it's highly unlikely God would do that for me. Well, I want you to take a look at God's highly unlikely list because he has a list and it's all right there in the Bible. And these are very unlikely individuals who were radically transformed and used by God. Joseph, the lunatic dreamer, unlikely to survive put into slavery by his brothers, reported to his dad as dead, falsely accused of, of, uh, of sexual harassment. He was a prisoner in Egypt. God transformed him into the vice pharaoh. <laughs> there is that position now. We know the vice pharaoh of Egypt. And he saved his family. He saved Egypt. And he saved the Hebrew nation from extinction. What about Moses, the orphan with a bad temper? <laughs> He's a baby in a basket floating down the Nile River, adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. He had a speech impediment, impediment like I did, just do and did. <laughs> he had a stuttering problem, and he murdered an Egyptian officer, and he covered up the crime and escaped the country and spent 40 years out in the desert hiding to avoid extradition back to the Egyptians. But God transformed him to deliver over a million people from the rule of Pharaoh Ramses II. And he parted the Red Sea and received the Ten Commandments and the law. And he developed this intimacy with God. He met with God face to face. How about Rahab? This is Jericho's well-known prostitute. She lived this life of immorality and, and sexual promiscuity, but she respected the God of Israel, and she risked her life to hide Joshua's spies in her home. And she was transformed into a woman of faith, and this prostitute now finds herself in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. David, a young shepherd, if you were to rank careers, it would be the lowest of the low, the youngest of the brothers in that culture. They always got the worst jobs, and they were at a significant advantage socially and economically. There he was. So he was out there kind of strumming his ancient guitar, watching the sheep. 
yet he turns around and he rescues a nation with a sling and a stone. He finds himself as Israel's greatest king, and he also finds himself in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. How about Paul, a murderer of the followers of Jesus? He's a man who's known as the worst of sinners, yet he carried the good news of Jesus into, and, 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 and broke down all cultural boundaries, and this man wrote more books of the Bible than any other single individual. Or Jabez, the one who causes pain. In fact, he simply was a pain. In fact, his name in his language would have been pronounced Yavitz. And what that meant to them is when they said his name, Yavitz, it was this. Hey, Mr. Painmaker, or good morning, Mr. Agony Afflictor. See, his name was Painmaker because he caused his mother pain at birth. Therefore, that is his identity for the rest of his life. Yet, this man, through his persistence and humble prayer, decided to follow God's word instead, and he received more honor than all of his brothers who got good names. God granted his request, and he made a huge impact on his generation. In fact, Jewish writers say this, is that he was an eminent uh, uh, a doctor in the law. He also had this reputation that caused scribes around him to, to just, just flood around him. In fact, they even say that there was a city that was named after him. See, God used him to impact the world, and he can use you as well. That's why Paul says this. He says, brothers... Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you are influential. You weren't born into nobility. But God chose the foolish things, or let's just say people right there. Come on. Or actually, you just put your name in there. God chose Tim. Okay, put your name in there. To shame the wise. God chose the weak things, the weak people. You, put your name in there. To shame the strong. God chose the lowly things, the lowly people of this world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before him. Unless you're taking yourself too seriously or think you're something, you know, then this verse should be a huge relief to all of us because God is looking at you right now and he says, I would like for you to be the next Jabez. I want you to forget your reputation of being a pain maker. I want you to quit whining about the names that people called you. I want you to stop complaining about how you were dealt a bad hand. Stop leaning into your own habits of self-destruction because I want to use you in a huge way. I mean, doesn't that make you feel great? It helps me to know that God wants to use me in spite of myself because Tim has imperfections and flaws and wrinkles. And the good news about that is that gives God a whole lot of space to work in my life. Because if I'm full of me, I will fail miserably. I regularly just choose. I want to empty myself of me and fill myself with God because I'm not something. I'm just someone. So touch the sky because God is looking for someone to pour his strength through, and it's you. Jettison your past. Serve God with total abandon. And then look out because God wants to pour his power into you and through you because the eyes of the Lord are looking throughout the earth to strengthen the hearts of the people who are fully committed to him. So will you be bold enough to, to see increased responsibilities and opportunities come your way and to pray for them? That's so why we say, God, enlarge my territory. And when we pray that, those words I studied in the scripture, enlarge means this. It means to become great and to multiply. 
You're supposed to, God wants us to pray that we will grow by multiplication. Territory means the boundaries or the extent of your influence. A literal interpretation of that in the scriptures would have been farmland. Now, no person in his right mind is going to go and ask for more farmland without a plan, but that's where today's dreams and today's strategies and the things God's placed into your heart and the prayers that you're praying now are going to prepare you for that next level. See, we need to pray, Jesus, influence, God, Jesus, increase my influence and my opportunities. In fact, will you pray that with me right now? Jesus, increase my influence and opportunities. And when we are good stewards of what we have and we have a plan for our future, it works. Because true faith involves action, putting forth effort. It's not just a prayer. It means sweat and toil and commitment. But when we do, God will show up in powerful ways and he will get the ultimate attention. Because Christians who touch the sky recognize this, that they are walking billboards for Jesus. These Christians just simply have a good attitude. They have a positive outlook. They have a spirit of gratitude and even a sense of humor because you are a billboard for Jesus. So just do that. Smile. Laugh. In fact, here's the best thing. Laugh at yourself. Allow kindness just to ooze from you and then watch this because then God will start setting up divine appointments around you that's going to increase your influence and your opportunities. You see, Jabez was successful with his prayer because God granted him what he requested and he prospered him remarkably. He became more honorable than his brothers. And see, this is what God wants for you. I'm asking you guys, will you be willing to just simply live dangerously and pray with faith? Live according to God's word and touch the sky because when you touch the sky, your boundaries will expand. I'm asking you to believe for that today, to believe for that now. Pray the simple prayers knowing that God's going to work a huge miracle for you. As we close today, I want us to, I want us to ask God even now for him to bless our lives and for him to increase those that influence and, and for him to increase the opportunities around us. I want you to pray and believe for that. In fact, this is the best time of all to start doing it right now. Will you just begin to pray right now? God, bless my life. Increase my influences. Increase my responsibilities. Increase my, my opportunities. I'd like for you to close your eyes right now. I'm going to ask you to focus internally. If you want to know Jesus, you want to have a clean slate and live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I'm going to give to you an opportunity to respond and be included in this closing prayer. But if you'd like to be a part of this closing prayer and you would like to make Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to ask you just to do this one thing for me. Will you raise your hand? Because faith is responding outwardly to what is happening inwardly. And God loves you so much. He, he died for you that, you that you could have life and everything can change today. So you can say, Pastor, that's me. I need Jesus. Would you lift your hand right now so I can connect my faith with you? Because I want to pray with you. Pastor, I need Jesus today. I need Jesus today. Second, if you're, if you're experiencing pain and you somehow 
feel like a Jabez, where pain is essentially becoming your identity and you want to take this challenge to pray like you've never prayed before and to believe for huge miracles, would you do something for me? Would you say, Pastor, I'm in to this challenge. I want to pray like Jabez prayed. Would you lift your hand and say, that's me. I want to go far beyond my boundaries. Lift your hand. How many people would say, yeah, that's me. That's me. I'm going to pray beyond my boundaries. Who else will say it? Do you want to just hear God's word and say, okay, that's nice, Pastor, but I'm not going to pray it. Okay. The six of you who lifted your hand who are going to pray this prayer, I want you guys to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I want my life to be blessed by you, and I want to make a difference in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information on how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's CONNECT to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.